Well, great to be with you again, August. It feels like we've been really blessed in Idaho with a cool summer. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy for that. Um, it's been great to be here. But school is getting ready to go back in session. Um, things at NNU are gearing up for us. And so um, I always think of that line from that Christmas carol about the winter break when it says, Mom and Dad can hardly wait for school to start again. I think some parents are like, I love my kids. Now go on and learn something, right? That's right. Uh, but the good seasons of life. Uh, those who are teachers, uh, blessings on you. Um, I hope you who are teachers, well, all of us have important roles. The teachers, are teachers uh, the importance of that role is phenomenal. So those of you who have taught or are teaching, just thank you for um, what you have done and are doing. Uh, that's an, such a crucial ministry in the lives of these kids. Well, we're in Luke 12 again. In fact, the next two weeks will be in Luke 12. Uh, so as you have devotional time, you want to sit there and so I get something wrong, then let me know, give me insight. Again, chapter 12 is asking this basic question in Luke. Um, what does it mean to be a disciple? And again, that's a question we ask today. Um, I have to tell you this morning, as I was, uh, actually yesterday morning, I was advancing through some uh, a Facebook post. A friend of mine whom um, we had actually started our um, PhD programs together in Chicago recounted that it was 15 years ago uh, for him as well as me that he moved from Detroit to Chicago. We moved from Kansas City. Talked about the things that happened in the last 15 years. He put on there, I was married. I actually went to that wedding. Uh, and he put, he put divorced, left the church, got a PhD, became an art collector, and loved teaching high school. And it's funny as I've tracked some of his journey, um, you know, kind of thinking about the ways in which he is dad as a pastor and for whom the church has been a place that's been hard for him. And that kind of, there's a mourning, there's a lostness there. There's a sadness in my heart that he has found in those 15 years um, a space where um, the church just is not something that's real and relevant to him. Um, and many of us have friends like that. Um, and there are ways in which, and lots of different stories there, um, but I know in those 15 years he's had lots of pain. And, and so I keep praying for him that one day uh, he'll see the place that God can reach him again and be part of the church again. But the question is this, uh, what does it mean to be a disciple? Uh, through all the highs and lows of life. And certainly, part of what we recognize is that being a disciple does not mean things are always going to go the way we want. And the invitation is this. Are we still willing to be a disciple even when things are not um, what we'd like? Last week, for those of you who are here, and welcome back, those on vacation, welcome back. A few are still going. Um, the summer's a great time to kind of come and going, and we'll see you all here probably in September. So that's a good thing. Um, but last we talked about the danger of greed. Last week we talked about the parable that Christ gave um, about a guy who was, had a lot and he, had a, he was a farmer, bumper crop, and his first thought was not to share with others. He had to build more big storehouses for himself. And he built all those storehouses, had all the grain, and then God said, now you're going to die uh, that night. And as a reminder uh, that to put our uh, security, our hope in the things of this life, including the big grain houses, Hopefully, it's not where our joy comes from. And to be honest, our, that theme carries on to our text um, today. But looking at chapter 12, um, there are kind of two main things he's asking about. Um, one was greed, but one is fear and worry. So, how many of you uh, like to be scared? Raise your hand. Okay, all right, we have three or four of you. Okay, okay, but more of you, confessions, right? How many of you like to watch, there's no shame in this, I mean, the horror films, right? A great couple of you, you like to be freaked out, right? Um, how many of you hate to be scared and hate horror films, <laughs> all right? Okay? Um, you see why those horror films have low budgets, because no one's going to go see them. So that's why they 
<laughs> the little, the small minority of you. That's why the movies are so bad. I mean, they're, you know. Um, so I will tell you, I have never liked the kind of the horror movie. In fact, you know, um, I remember a time in college, some friends were going out. We ended up watching uh, a movie at somebody's house. It was one of those horror movies. I'm like, I'm tired. So I pretended to be asleep in the back because I didn't want to be scared. I got to listen to it. Um, but even today, um, I'm, I'm just a wimp, right? When like a, an intense scene is coming up, I'll, I'll fast forward through it, right? Because I want to see this thing, right? Um, and so I just don't like to be, to be scared. I don't want to kind of, for our, for our sermon today, I want to clarify some distinctions about being afraid and being scared. So I'll use language today, but I want to kind of, um, kind of distinguish those two. When I say I'm scared, it's a momentary jolt. Bam, right? Someone like an accident happens. Bam, something crazy. And you're momentary, like just a rush of adrenaline. Blah, you're crazy. So sometimes being scared, we can't help it, right? A kind of fight or flight, something crazy happens, and we're scared. The fear that God wants to help save us from is not those momentary times of being scared, perhaps hearing a doctor tell you you have cancer, you get to notice you're fired, the immediate kind of, that's being scared. Fear is the ongoing long phobia of really having something being so, it so terrifies you, it kind of holds you captive. It kind of, it, it, it makes you withdraw. It literally stops you. And that's sort of clarify. Does that make sense? Being scared, that momentary kind of like you're frightened, but the fear is the long effects of really being held back. Um, fear to kind of really kind of hold you captive over years and years and years. So, so I want to clarify fear and scared there as going forward. The other one is this. How many of you like to worry? Okay, some of you are going to go to hell because you're not you're being honest right now. You love to worry, right? <laughs> okay, good point. Okay, all in praise of the question. How many of you do worry? Okay, <laughs> Ask the right question, Brent. Come on. Okay. But you don't like to worry. Like the horror film, like some like, yeah, I like to be scared, right? The haunted houses, oh, I never hated those. But like the worry, you don't like to worry, but you do worry. Thank you for coming. I need this help, right? Um, my grandmother, who was one of the saints of my life, uh, she, is this right? I can't remember. The, I mean, this is true. She was born the day the stock market fell in the Great Depression. In 1929, some of you are, uh, some of you are you that old? I'm sure you are not that old anymore. 1929, it happened. There's a Great Depression. Read about it in Google. It's very exciting. Um, but she was born the day, November, November something? Any history people? Oh, we don't know. I'll make it up a date. You don't know either. October maybe? I don't know. 1929 or something? Somewhere in there. October 19th. That was her birthday. 1929? That's Okay, there you go. Thank you. Someone has authority. It's great. Um, um, so uh, you were not born the same year, correct? Yeah, no, no. Um, my grandmother um, was a person of faith. Uh, they were born, and most of her family was from Minnesota her whole life. Um, her father had a chronic illness, so he had kind of get able to work three or four months of the year to get laid off. Only passed away in the Great Depression. They would kind of take in rumors and borders. Those are old words. So folks would kind of come on in and live with them to kind of help pay, kind of help support the family. Um, and, and, you know, I'm blessed, blessed, blessed. All my, um, both my grandparents, both sides were persons of faith in the church. And it wasn't because life was easy. Um, but my grandmother, um, she had a gift of worry. And it wasn't about the big things. But like every time I drive anywhere, she would worry. She, my grandmother would not fly in a plane. She flew in a plane just two times. One was to see my dad's wedding, who was in Vancouver, Minnesota. And then at the time she went somewhere else. But she did not like 
uh, plains. She did not like driving over mountains. She was fraught with worry in ways that, you know, the worry, the worries of life kind of would choke. In fact, there's that sermon, remember that, remember that the Jesus story Jesus told about the parable of the sower, right? And some of the seed would fall on the hard sand of the path or the gravel or the good soil. And, and I think some of the, the, the seeds fell among the thorns. And it says the, 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 the little seed sprouted up. Um, but this, the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choked it and strangled it. And that really is a worry. And one of the things um, that God's going to invite us to in our text again today is how can God more and more set us free from both fear and worry? And often those two kind of do go together. Some big questions for today that our text will lead us in. Where and what, but where, think about this, where are your treasures? Some of your treasures are sitting next to you, right? Some of your treasures are in the parking lot or in your, you know, your back pocket, right? Where and what are your treasures, things that you value? What are the things that cause you great in fear and worry? Another big question. What kingdom, what imagination of hope and joy are you seeking after? And finally, where do you place your faith and hope? Luke 12 has big questions, and we'll keep wrestling the next few weeks. Last week, we talked about the problem of greed. Um, again, Luke 12, these crowds are overwhelming. Beginning of the chapter again, he says this, um, Do not fear those who can take God. It's important to remember this. I, I kind of, once a month, remind myself of this. As Luke's gospel is being written, it's important to remind ourselves that there is intense, intense persecution happening to these Christians. So it's important we read these stories of this faith. It's not like their life was that all as easy. Um, the gospel written probably around, I mean, Mark was the earliest, um, we think maybe on the early 60s. Uh, Luke, maybe later, um, like 72, 3, 4, 5. We know that in AD 70, approximately, Nero comes to the, to the, the power and it starts wiping out all these Christians the great persecution is falling. So when you hear these passages about don't worry, don't be afraid, it's important we remind ourselves how the first hearers would have heard this. That and for many of us, and I imagine there are some issues facing us today in this, this room, I have no doubt. But their fear was, are we going to get killed this week for our faith? Where do we have to move to this week so we don't die? Now, again, I'm not trying to, like, belittle your problems. They're important. But it is to say, don't, the Bible's not naive to hard things. So when it offers us these words that perhaps we've heard over and over again, um, this is a reminder the early church had to live these out in many new and powerful ways. So the question is this, what are you afraid of? What, do you, what, what causes great fear? Um, I'm not sure what fears you have or phobias you have. Um, some will be afraid of the dark. Anybody afraid of the dark? Long dark? Okay, a couple of you. Um, uh, Cuna Caves. Have you been to Cuna Caves before? Or caving, like really deep darkness? Um, that's dark. But if I'm with together somebody else and I'm flashing, I'm okay. Um, but what about early jobs? Really, if I get a good training, all ministers should have this as their first job. I was a church janitor, right? And so I am awesome at cleaning urinals. That's one of my spiritual gifts. So I can do it real quick. It's fabulous. Good gift. Although, I will tell you, it doesn't help your love of little children. 
because I would painfully wipe and clean all that glass out of the, the church doors, right? And we have handles for you to use. What do kids do? Bam! On the, come on, really? Um, but we were at a bigger, at my sanctuary in Seattle, Aurora, we had a pretty big sanctuary. And um, um, one of my jobs on Monday nights was babysitting. I was just in high school, but they figured I could babysit the church because we had a Russian congregation meeting. And one time they did try to church, set the church on fire. So that was a problem. Not on purpose, but like a coffee pot. Coffee pots stayed on too long. It was instant hot things. And then something got melted, and it was really exciting. I was like 17, like the fire, it was anyway, crazy. Um, so <laughs> that was random. Um, but the Russians were there. Uh, we had um, Alcoholics Anonymous, and we had um, an exercise group all Monday nights. And they're all throughout the church building doing stuff. So Brent, just be there and make sure nothing burns down. So <laughs> I did my job one time. Um, but I often would go, once everything was set up and ready, we'd go into our sanctuary. And it was a, really a massive. He had about 1,000 a thousand people in because you could sit in there. And, um, and I love the peace of that sanctuary. I will tell you, though, when all the lights were off, and I was the last one in the church building, church buildings are a little bit exciting when it's all dark. So I learned to walk real quickly, you know. Um, but what things are you afraid of? Afraid of heights. Um, what things that cause you fear? Kind of not just phobias, but then long term. What are things that really cause you and to make you nervous? One of the things today in our culture that discourages me are the times in which others encourage me to be afraid of other people. Other, you know, those other people, right? Um, and I think that's one of the dangers in our society today as I look around is our culture is doing a really good job. I'm not sure we're worse, but we're not good at really having people be other people. Like how much money they have or don't have. Where are they from or not from? Um, different ethnic or races. I mean, all the different things that we have, the differences we have. We are good at putting people in categories and be afraid of them. Um, the rhetoric that happened four or five years ago um, made me kind of angry to be honest with you. Um, I remember when we have the, the problems in Syria. In fact, the, 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 the conflict and fighting there, civil war, is still going on. And uh, what was happening, these Syrians were fleeing the country, and they were trying to get out. And, uh, and some of the rhetoric on some of the U.S. media was, well, the Syrians in, they're going to bomb us. Right? Um, and, you know, that was kind of annoying and frustrating. But then, I'd be honest with you, I then went to Germany, which took NNU students in Germany. And they had initially welcomed in lots of Syrians. And we went and spent a couple of days with them. And we went to a place. It was a former um, hospital. They had turned into kind of like a place for refugees to live. And we got to hang out and play with these Syrian fathers and mothers and children who were desperately looking to kind of find new life. They had been displaced. They had run out of a country in civil war. And I became, to be honest, angry at the discourse of some media outlets that were saying, be afraid of these people, they're going to bomb you. These folks are trying to survive. And I would encourage us today, be very weary of places that encourage you to make you afraid of other people who are simply just not like you. Um, the kingdom of God is about all nations, all tribes, all people. And as the church goes forward, we must be recognizing that all people have value, all people are to be loved. And I'm afraid sometimes in our world today, we just lean into divisiveness. Um, so that's a, an invitation for us today. Other times in my life, I'm sure you had scenarios where I had family members who passed away. I remember the great trepidation as my family, we moved um, to Evanston, Illinois, from Kansas City 15 years ago, ironically. 
um, and we moved there. We bought a house. We had a house in Kansas City. We didn't have any jobs. Um, and we moved into a very uh, diverse neighborhood, um, so much so that we were probably the only white people in five blocks. And, in fact, we moved in. We were moving our stuff in, and a guy was walking by in the street, and he goes, are you moving in or moving out? If they're moving in, and he goes, that's a bad idea. So it was a, it was a, great, it was a great experience for my kids um, to live in a place where it was largely African-American and Hispanic with wonderful neighbors, wonderful people. Um, but I do think sometimes in life, when things are different, they can be afraid to us, but we got to learn to love and overcome the ways we have prejudice and bias in our life. Um, and there's lessons to be learned there. The other great challenge in Luke 12 is this. There's a great danger to finding our happiness and security in our stuff and in our possessions. I mean, we learned this early on at Christmas time, right? Now, of course, it's about Jesus, but we learned about the presents, right? That kind of awkward thing when you're a kid. I love Jesus. Now, where are the presents, right? Um, you remember that thing you got as a kid, hopefully sometime in your life. You wanted something and got it, right? Maybe you've never had that happen, so that's kind of sad, but we'll, um, we'll talk to Valerie. We'll figure that out. We'll talk to this year. We'll figure it out. Um, but you get that thing you longed for, right? Remember the old movie, um, the classic, the Red Rider BB gun story, right? The Christmas story, Right? You had the thing, you really wanted it, right? And then you get it. And like a month later, you're like, I need something else. Early on, we're reminded that those things that we really want, and they're not bad things, you know, but if we look to those things for our happiness and our joy, those gods are never satisfied. And the invitation for our text is this. The stuff of this life can be a wonderful blessing, but the danger is when do these things start possessing us. In our text, right before our text, our text today, and we'll get there eventually, I promise, eventually, oh my word. Um, it says this, um, when you have a lot or want a lot of possessions, that's going to cause a great deal of fear and worry for you. One of the things we notice today uh, in our context, and I hate to go kind of generational because it's kind of weird things, but we've noticed around this group called Millennials, one of the things we've noticed at NAU is there is intense levels of anxiety among this group. Um, uh, and I've, it's funny, one of my students who I had about four, five, six years ago put on Facebook all this overwhelming sense of great, just not just I'm you know, having a bad day, this great sense of anxiety in this kind of honest confessional post. And not to say that you know, us old folks can't have anxiety, but what we're seeing about the level of kind of um, deep levels of anxiousness and fear and trepidation, how are we going to survive? I mean, all the great questions that we've all faced um, is just unparalleled. And what are we doing to our, these young folks that have brought them to this place of great anxiety? Um, to be thoughtful there about what's causing this great challenge. There was a time when I was uh, vacationing with my father-in-law. He lived in Coeur d'Alene. I'm sorry, he lived in Spokane. We vacationed at um, near Lake Coeur d'Alene. And um, one of the things that often happens is you think your life is good, and you see folks who have lots of bigger and cooler things. So he just had a little fifth wheel RV, but near a thing called Black, Black Rock, Black Rock in near Coeur d'Alene. And in that area is a very wealthy area. And so we'd go to the marina and see all these amazing boats they were selling. I know they were like from $45,000 to like $150,000. For some of you who have a boat like that, wonderful. For me, that was out of my world to have a boat that was that expensive. Um, 
It was amazing how my life was so content before I got there. But then in seeing those things, I thought, man, I, maybe I need a boat like that. And that's how it happens slowly, right? Um, I'll be happier if I have this idea. Right before our text today is a great verse, many of you know, that one of the mottos of NMU. Seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. If you look at your life over the past year, what are you, if we were to watch that, right? We kind of speed through the sleeping parts. What would we see the trajectory of your life? What is your life seeking after? What are your goals? Where are your imaginations? What are your hopes and dreams? Where are they located? And again, God wants to have a joyful, fun life. If I were honest sometimes with that year of review, how much of that life is spent on me and my happiness and my joy versus how am I trying to be a joy and help to others? Now, this church, one of the things I've loved about it through all these years I've been a part is you are a giving congregation. I was actually out of town on Thursday, so I missed the dinner. But I was a part of the dinner, I think, was four or five years ago. This church, time and time again, through all the things we do, is focused on how do we share and love others. And that, hopefully, here's the thing about me. I'm much more generous when I'm with you all. When I'm in a community right, that's giving and sharing, I'm going to be more generous. When I'm by myself, nah, I'm, I'm fine. We say, no, we got a community dinner. Let's go do that. Okay, I'll go do it. Some of you have a gift of generosity. Some of you need others to help you to be generous. You know what I'm saying? And we do this generosity together as part of the body. Because here's the danger. If we make our lives only about us and our kingdoms, our life will not be fulfilled. We'll be filled with fear and worry. Okay. I'll get to our text today. Do you stand? Luke 12. Stand if you can today. Luke 12, chapter 32 through 40. I'm reading from the Common English Bible. Um, look at the verse before about seeking first God's kingdom. So hear this, this passage today. In Luke 12, verses 32 through 40. First words. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights in giving you the kingdom. Your father delights in giving you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. Make for yourselves wallets that don't wear out. A treasure in heaven that never runs out. No thief comes near there, and no moth destroys. This great lie, many of you heard it before. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 35. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps lit. Be like people waiting for their master to come home from a wedding celebration, who can immediately open the door for him when he arrives and knocks on the door. Happy are those servants whom the master finds waiting up when he arrives. I assure you that when he arrives, he will dress himself to serve. Seat them at the table as honored guests and wait on them. Can you hear that? Wait on them. Happy are those whom he finds alert, either if he comes at midnight or just before dawn. But know this, if the homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, he wouldn't have allowed his home to be broken into. You also must be ready because the human one is coming at a time when you don't expect him. Here's the word of God for people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So our text today lives in this constant theme about where is your hope? Where is your joy? Um, 
if there's one idea I want to impress upon you today, and I'll probably say it several times for as long as I'm here. I remember several years ago, um, God really pressed this upon me. And I'm, I'm a church kid, been in church my whole life, I've been around Christians all my life, and love love Christians. Most of them. No, I like them all. They're great. Um, one of the things that I think more Christians need is to be set free from the addiction and oppression of fear. We're in a world today where Republicans and Democrats, the modus, the, the goal for them is to make you afraid. And then they'll be the solution to your fears. Now, it's not just the political parties. Um, and I'm not telling us to be naive. I'm not telling us to kind of bare our heads in the sand or that kind of thing. But too many Christians today, their lives, their ethics, their behaviors are surrounded about deep-seated fear and then worry. And again, there's a tension that I have today. It's not that I don't want you to be responsible, to be thoughtful, and to be wise. But how do we have our compassion and care and generosity is then restricted, is held back? Because, well, I might not have enough for me. I can't give too much. Or what if this person does something to me? i, I got to be careful. There's a, I think about the song that you had us sing. God, I will go where you have me to go. Many of you have stories. In, in this military community, some of you have gone lots of places that were new to you and not fun. Sometimes you went in places where it was not fun at all. Harm was sticking at the door. The invitation for us is sometimes our, our own fear, and this is going to sound really awkward, the primary goal of a Christian life is not your longevity on this planet. Now, that is an awkward thing to say. We don't want you to die. But we send missionaries, we send people to places that are not safe because we want them to be faithful to the gospel. Because ultimately, while we love this earth, this earth is not the end. So we're not trying to build up our whole kingdom and our possessions that this is all it's going to be. He or she dies the most toys does not win. I'm not telling a story um, I heard, and I Googled it, and Google thinks it's real. There was a guy who died. I thought about last week's story. A guy who died was very rich. And so he wanted um, to be buried in a brand-new suit and in a brand-new top-of-the-line Cadillac. Literally. He owned the plot of land. They dug out a burial plot that was big for his new Cadillac. And so they put the guy, the body, in the body of the steering wheel. Right hand the steering wheel. Cigar in his mouth. This is not a joke. And literally, as um, the guy in the crane was lowering it into the ground, the guy goes, what a life. He lowers him in the ground. Some people for whom they are acting and living as if this life is all that matters. And again, we love this life. This life is wonderful, but we can't live in a way that we're afraid to love and care for the other. We can't live in a way like last week when we get a great bonus of life. How can I keep it for myself? But what does this thing say? Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Now you notice it says doesn't, that you don't sell all your possessions, but for the rich, and to be honest, most of us in North America, even in Mountain Home, we are the rich compared to the world. The reality is this. God, out of what you've given me, it might not feel like compared to all those folks from down there, 
how can I share? See, for the rich, their salvation is connected to how they can share with those who are economically less well off. You see, the danger is for those who have, what did Jesus say? For the rich, it is hard to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because their gods and their faith are, and security are often located in those riches. Like our guy last week, he thought he was now set. His life was very full. But I'm even more safe and secure because I got bigger storehouses. And the, the, the text says, and tonight your very life will be taken. But the reality was we said last week, he was dead a long time ago, wasn't he? He was already missing out on the joy of life. So um, John Wesley is a great figure in the Methodist movement. Um, he came in the, night, in the 18th century of England, um, kind of a poor family, was educated, became a pastor, wrote lots of sermons. The Methodist church is founded by him. The Church of the Nazarene draws a lot of its theological um, connection to John Wesley. He had this great motto. I mean, he was very OCD, by the way, so not all things were great, right? He lived in his house, you're up at 4 o'clock praying every morning, so that was exciting. Um, but he had this great line. He said, earn all you can, save all you can, give away all you can. Remember to earn all you can, be industrious, right? It's not a bad thing to, to, to make, a, make a living, make a wage. Earn, earn money, but then save it all. Save as much, and then, then also give away all you can. It's a great rhythm, right? Um, his life, and he charted this out because he was before Excel spreadsheets. He created spreadsheets. He charted um, his income by his sermons that were being published. His income rose astronomically. But he charted how much he would spend every year on his own life. And it stayed the same all throughout his career. He did build some churches and do other things. This great model for us um, that it is okay to take care of yourself. It's okay to go on a vacation, right? It's okay to, to enjoy life. But again, where are you placing your hope and joy and security? If it's in that stuff, it can be the moth will destroy it, the thieves can steal it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where is your treasure? Where is your heart? Again, don't hear me say that this is about hating this life. We want to get out of this world. No, no, this earth is wonderful and beautiful and true. But if you are so worried about what you can lose in this life, you are choked off from the life right here God wants you to have. So what kingdom are you after? What kingdom are you striving for? Again, we're not here to live lives of fear. But are there fears in your life that are holding you captive? Again, don't hear me say to be callous to the needs of you know, folks who have cancer or losing lots of jobs. I'm not telling us to be callous to those things. Um, we pray for people. We earnestly pray. Um, but we also know this life is not it. So we seek justice in this earth. We do mercy on this earth. But we also recognize that one of the invitations is that we are to live a life free from the fear of death, free from worry. Now, again, I know a lot, we have relatives. who are My friend, Kamasi, who's a, a, away from the Lord. I pray for him. I care about him. Uh, many of you have siblings, sons, daughters, grandpas, I mean, people who are away from Christ right now. And so we, we're, we think about them. Um, so it's not telling us to, to not care. But it is to say, don't let those fears and worries choke out the life of you. We intercede, we advocate, we work against injustice, all those things. But we do so 
free from the constraints of that fear that kind of chokes us off from compassion. That fear that kind of happens to circle in the circle the wagons, the old school analogy, we're afraid of everybody else. So some questions um, as we think about are the so what of this passage. By the way, the last few verses from 35 to 40 talk about how Christ will come again. Now I will say for those of you who are old, you remember some of the 60s and 70s Christian movies, right? They were encouraging you to, you know, um, if you die today, you might go to hell, so repent right now, right? The kind of movie that would scare you. A Thief in the Night, you see that movie? You know, it's a Christian movie that meant pretty well. Um, but even the notion of Christ coming back should never be used as a kind of fear or manipulation. But Christ says, be ready. How are you ready for Christ's return? The great bumper sticker, right? Um, Christ is coming soon. Look busy, right? Not the... How you are waiting for Christ to return is by going and serving the Mountain Home community a dinner, giving away socks to kids. You're ready by a life that is fulfilled by loving and caring yourself and your, your person in your home and your neighbors, and especially loving and caring those who are on the margins, those who especially need an act of grace and love, who have marginalized are in pain. Looking ready is not a fear of when is Christ going to return, what dates are going to be. It's about saying, my life is patterned on a God living daily, love and care. As you feel God's love, you love and care for others. So some final questions. Am I living with a deep-seated fear and worry in my life that's choking away the joy? That's having my compassion be calculated. Two. What kingdom are you living and striving for? I'm very tempted to make the kingdom of Brent the most important thing. But what does it mean that it's God's kingdom where my joy comes from? And then am I ready for God's return? And by that, not done in fear, um, but am I living in a way that actually when God's kingdom come, I actually want it? Sometimes my kingdom is the focus I'm interested in other things and what God wants to see happen in the world. So um, some hard words here, but hopefully the hope is this. Um, And without taking away any of the serious needs and concerns we face, God says to you, how can you be released from some fear and worry today? I'm going to ask Fowl to come, but I want you to close your eyes um, as we prepare to do our kind of final song. I wonder today if some of you in this, in in here in our, who've been gathered today, have some real places of worry and fear. And it's legitimate. And, and, but you recognize the place that perhaps is not super healthy. And you're wanting to say, God, I, I want to just give you this person, this issue. I don't want to be held captive by these fears and worries that are choking out life. Well, some of you are that way. Well, others of you today were saying, you know, to be honest, Brent, um, I have lots of places where I've been working after my kingdom. It's been all about me. And I want God to help me make more of my life about loving others. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder today for you to say, I, I have some fear and worry in my life, and I still want to care about these situations, but I need God to help me be set free from some of those things a little bit. If that's your, your prayer, today, you raise your hand. If you have some fears and worries you want to say to God, God, anybody else? That's some fears and worries that future, great, put your hands down. Anybody else say, I wonder who say, Brent, if I were to be honest, 
My life's been going okay. But as I review my life, it's been more about my kingdom than God's kingdom. And I want to say, God, today, I want to do better to seek first your kingdom. If that's your prayer today, would you slip your hand up? Saying, God, I want your kingdom more in my life. Great. Let's hands down. Let's pray. Which is, God, thank you for these wonderful, beautiful Christians here in Mount Vernon. Lord, thank you for the joy it was this week. Routinely, not a special thing, that we're, we're sharing this meal with our neighbors. We're giving away to our community. Lord, there are persons in this, in this congregation who make up this church. There is an ethos, Lord, of generosity. So Lord, bless this church and their giving. Lord, we also pray today for those who raised their hands, who said, they have some serious concerns, fears, and worries. And Lord, we're asking still for you to take care of those things, perhaps offer healing, new jobs, finances, those in pain. Lord, we don't like throw those things away, but Lord, we want at a deeper level to embrace your love. So Lord, those things, we just name those to you now. We name you those fears. We name those worries, those things that can't add any hours to our lives. And say, God, we want to trust you. And Lord, I pray we lift those things up to you even now. You'll give us a new sense of love and hope and joy. And not that we're callous and bearing our heads. But Lord, help us to experience today new levels of hope and freedom that you can give us. And Lord, for those who really want to seek your kingdom more fully, help us, Lord. Help us look at the behaviors, the people, and the practices that are causing us to make our lives more about our kingdom than your kingdom. And Lord, positively, even this week, give us a new imagination for ways we can better be about your kingdom this week. So, Lord, we pray we would not go out in guilt and shame, but let us go out in hope and joy. Lord, may your spirit fall upon us in deeper levels of love. May we feel your embrace. May we find deeper ways that we can put our treasures in heaven. And, Lord, that we can receive from you, that you who delight to give us what we really need in life, the kingdom of God, loving and caring and serving others. May that gift replenish us and give us hope this day in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our final song. As a child of God, may you be set free from fear and worry to go out in hope and joy to love your world today. Go in joy and hope and peace this day. Amen.